Okay, yes, uh, welcome to Vegan Talk. Haven't done an episode. Hello. Today I'm joined by Sil Molston. That's uh, me. From Florida. And uh, I think I think the question we're going to address today, uh, we're going to address intersectionality and Sil is going to tell us what intersectionality is and what all that means. Okay, so what is in basis? What does intersectionality mean? Um, I guess the most basic definition would be the idea that all oppressions are interconnected and you can't truly dismantling dismantle one without dismantling all of them. Like, you can't dismantle speciesism without getting rid of racism. You can't dismantle racism without getting rid of sexism. Like, they're oh, yeah, all... That, that all those nasty little isms are, all, you know, like, yeah. one down the line. All the, all the oppressive systems. Right. So can, can we see... Uh... And then the term intersectionality means the intersectionality of, say, the overlap, correct, of racism and sexism, for example, or speciesism and sexism. Um, Is that I'm not sure overlap would be the best word to describe it. There, There is a lot of that, but it's more connectedness it's not just that like one is on top of another and they share like similarities it's like how i think the most important thing with this as far as veganism goes is the concept of the human you know a lot of the time the discussion about that is limited to you know the purely biological aspect of homo sapien and even that's fairly um, arbitrary but more important than that is human as the ideal person the ideal individual you know the renaissancean man and no oh, you mean the uh, the center of the universe know, white you know white able-bodied cis male you know, it was a concept made and spread around predominantly by Europeans and other groups and powers to say, like, this is me, this is the superior being, and everyone else, this is the animal. You know, this is the savage, this is the barbarian, this is, you know, the animal. The lesser, as it were. Yeah. So can can we generate a good example of intersectionality? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, it's not something I have the best experience since I am, you know, white. I'm not a racialized minority, but a lot of the times 
slurs will be very animized. You know, there's, you know, the B word for women. There's, you know, a lot of the time black yeah, like the traditional slurs associating African-Americans with monkeys, for example. Oh, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. So that they're lesser. Right, right. And they're specifically... Um, yeah, you know, that's where the whole identified as having an animalistic... animals things come. That, yeah. That's where that comes from. Well, well, sort of treating people like animals, but uh, the other the other side of it is you really shouldn't treat animals the way animals are treated. Right. Uh, like even the an- uh, even the construction of animal is. Yeah, I mean, I would say that. And this is a hard thing to to word and not have and be taken out of context, but I think in a, a really meaningful sense, black people are sort of in the same category as animals, especially as far as the police go. They can, you know, murder them indiscriminately. They're put into that category in order to justify their exploitation, their enslavement. And I think just like just like our society would not exist as it were today without, you know, strict biological, you know, quote unquote, non-human exploitation, our society would not exist how it is today without black exploitation, without the exploitation of racialized minorities. The reason I am here sitting comfortably on my couch is directly because there are black people on the streets getting a shot is because I have the privilege of, you know, living in a society built up 400 years of slavery, of gentrification, of stolen wealth. And I am white. I am the, the beneficiary of that, of that, all of that stolen wealth. And likewise, we have centuries of stolen wealth from non-human animals as well and they built our society through that and it still is just like with racialized minorities seems fairly clear is this where we find uh overlap where you have a lot of radical feminists are also involved with vegan yeah it's it's like something like 80 percent of vegans are women it's it's that high Uh, that's nice i haven't heard that exact i haven't looked into that but yeah i looked into it i looked into it well i looked into it for a couple reasons but yeah the numbers are overwhelming well, and I think, you know, there have been so many works done on connecting animal rights to the patriarchy and especially directly in advertising and things, how cows are sexualized, are, you know, what's the best, like, feminized I guess, like presented as this mother character that is trying to, you know, happily give you their milk. Because just like 
human woman, of course, we as men are completely deserve the products of women's bodies. You know, that's what they do. They're supposed to give birth. They're supposed to, to give themselves to us just like, you know, cows that are assigned the gender of female are, of course, supposed to give us their bodies. We are beholden to it. You know, we deserve their milk, you know? Yeah, it's, well, deserving milk is, for me, a sort of a strange thing. Yeah. I wouldn't want it because, well, because I'm not purely an ethical vegan, because I did, I, I did originally come out of plant-based and had some medical problems, so I can't imagine that milk would be... <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, deserving of their milk, deserving of their flesh, you know, deserving of their bodies in general. Oh, that the bodies like, are just there to use. Well, that's the thing that always blows me about it, or blows my mind about it, is that the, the, the of what you speak, the, uh, the power structure of dominance of humans over animals, this isn't something that I think in intersectionality directly addresses, but I'm going to say it here, is that it is such a strong drive that people will keep it. Uh, they, they'll, they will struggle to maintain that supremacy, even where at the expense of their own health or their own life is, as I understand it. Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot that goes into that. It's just like racism and sexism and transphobia, it's so deeply ingrained into the mythology of this country. Well, it's so and, it's so deeply ingrained where it's like the doctor's telling you to lose weight and you know take meat out of your diet, or yeah. you die, or get very sick and die. You know, and and the uh, you know the carnist will still not be able to. Uh, to give up their perceived supremacy over animals, yeah. even where it ends up, you know, maybe like uh, people have gone broke from gambling on horse racing, for example. Even when it means their own destruction, they'll just hand, they'll just cling to it. Yeah, I've definitely had experience with that. My family isn't, you know, the healthiest, and you know, and going back to doctors saying to you know, take flesh out of your diet, that's even assuming that they do. Because doctors only get, I think it was two, three weeks of nutrition training. It was only a less couple that, weeks. Less, no, less, not even that. Yeah. <laughs> it was like 12 no, hours, something like that. Yeah. I'd yeah. have to look up the exact answer, yeah. but yeah. No, yeah, yeah it's, it's a lot of doctors. Or, and then you get things like, it goes slightly off the the uh, intersectionality thing, but I will address that. You get things like the American Diabetes Association knows full well that the plant-based diet outperformed their diet, but they get money, they get funding from the dairy industry. So, I mean, I would say that's a part of intersectionality. Um, capitalism is a huge driver of that. And just like capitalism was built off, you know, the enslavement of Africans and the destruction of the third world was also built off the destruction of 
non-human habitats and their enslavement as well. Yeah, it's just like I was speaking more of the way the greed thing fits into the whole health issue. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that, which is that's another a big part of the issue. Yeah. That's there. And it's also that um, my minorities are disproportionately affected by obesity is the other one. Yeah. Oh, and we know that Africans and other minor- racialized minorities have a much higher chance of being lactose intolerant. But milk is still pushed as this incredibly healthy thing, even though it's predominantly white people who can drink that stuff. I don't even think they can. (laughs) (laughs) See, 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 yeah, you're talking about milk like it's a reward. I don't think dairy is actually a reward. Yeah, I mean that's that's the paradox of it, but yeah, but still, let's say let's say that it is a reward. Uh, the the other question is, what right would you have towards that reward? You don't. You, you really know, you don't. don't. Yeah, someone else's body, but I feel we have in our society that you can own people like that. You know, it wasn't even that long ago, and there are many countries still where women are considered property, where, you know, marital rape is not even considered a thing, where there's still abuse that's legal, you know. It's it's calmed down a bit here, but another thing we should remember is that human slavery was never completely outlawed. It was never abolished. Even the the 14th Amendment says, unless in the case of imprisonment. And that's where the plantations moved to. They moved to our private prison complex. And, uh, And a lot of the time, those people are working with animal agriculture and Starbucks. Starbucks uses slave labor from prisons. And in prisons, they're fed animal products, incredibly unhealthy garbage. Hurts them, hurts the animals. Yeah, I'm not going to promote uh, uh, the uh, the medical benefits of uh, consuming animals. Of, uh, it, it really just, yeah, because I used to be 240 pounds and now I'm like about 160 about. I probably need to lose a couple pounds just because of quarantine. But the flip side of that was that I didn't have access to the same good vegan restaurants that I had before quarantine. Um, you have to think. Intersectionality. It's kind of basic, but like since it's with everything going on, should we go into like, I mean, anti-cop isn't even like an intersectionality thing. Like they're, they uphold like non-human oppression, <laughs> like directly and like shoot dogs all the time. Yeah, that's, yeah, that was uh, my former co-host, Sean was obsessed with the shooting the dogs. Uh, he wasn't vegan, but he had a thing for the cops, shoot your dogs. I know. Um, but yeah, no, that's 
I mean, I don't even know why chokeholds would be a debate. <laughs> you know, why, where that would ever be a, a measure of, of even a topic of debate. Yeah. I guess there are similar underlying concepts of acceptable use of, of force in dealing with uh, an animal, whether it be human or non-human, uh, in terms of what constitutes torture. Man. And it's, I think generally the ethics uh, are that torture is not quant- something. Okay. <laughs> I think it, it's sure. not sure. too sure. much to say that Middle Easterns pretty much have the same mental image to many Americans as non-humans do. <laughs> as far as like what's okay to do to them. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, well, that, I guess that maybe be... with Middle Easterns is at least some, like, white man's burden thing. <laughs> like, some weird stuff like that, but it's still very much, like, they're viewed as outside the, the human realm, the realm of the Western European realm of reason and rationality, and they're more in, seen as more in the realm of instinct and mysticism and culture so they're much i oh, think they're well, seen there's much the, closer they're... to not the human than than the human ideal you're sort of talking about like the racism of anthropology as it were yeah observe these foreign you know where it becomes a safari to observe the uh the uh, primitive cultures oh uh, yeah I, they used to have like zoos of black people and um dutch people are from netherlands right yes i used to live there yes Yes. okay i think it was the netherlands where that was a thing uh i lived there for for a hot minute in the 2000s i lived there i haven't heard of that i i think they had closed down by then uh, the mid two thousands. Well, they had a whole other. Um, well, that does actually bring up a related product. That that does actually bring up the related subject of they had a different kind of human circus going on there. They had a little bit of a different show. Uh, like sex worker exploitation. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's. Ex- I mean, their their sex workers are treated better than uh, yeah, you know a U.S. Not crack whore would be but right. yeah it is still sex trafficking it is still in that sense exploitive uh but it's interesting there because they're they're behind glass i i'm sure it's still the same is that there are these glass windows that they're hiding behind where they're like products for sale behind, yeah. behind these glass windows and it's it's a menagerie it's a zoo and you just walk through and select your your choice so yeah that there's a certain degree of objectification that goes on there it's complicated though because it's sort of their their prostitutes are you know don't have the same problems with diseases and they can you know call the police on their pimps and i'd imagine it's better but i would say like it is it is better but it is still you know a lot of the times the point is brought up about like sex work and like coercion 
which like yes absolutely in, in the u.s particularly they cannot come to the police about like open rape because right. they'll get arrested themselves oh they got they'll, rape alarms in amsterdam uh, yeah they, have, they a have a little of, they have a little uh, red button under their bed and they press that and the cops come and throw you out that's that's good yeah so they're not screwing around with that you know that's the that. more like carceral and like rad fans radical feminists will say like it's unconsensual because it's like economic coercion and stuff but i think in that sense no job under capitalism is 100% consensual. Like you don't want to do it. It's either you do it or you starve. And I think that's another connects to intersectionality as well because the, the greatest calorie waste in the world as far as food goes is feeding non-human animals. You know, that's greater than the waste of grocery stores that's greater than people throwing stuff out. Oh yeah. Most so farms in the United of, States of are having that food go to feed people directly. You have it going to feed cows and pigs and, and chickens, you know, so they can be killed and feed people. So, you know, some capitalist middleman can get some more money, you know, and that's where so much of, you know, that waste comes from. Well, it, when people like, use the term, yeah, I mean, that's true. And people use the term meat market for, uh, well, I've heard it was a nickname for um, singles bars was, are you going over to the meat market? But there, there, there is a sense that the prostitution industry, sex trafficking, that's that really is all ultimately a meat market. Yeah, uh, and it, it is actually it is actually literally the same as animal trafficking that it is sale of flesh. Um, um I'm not sure in a, in a literal sense, but yeah, I think there's a similar sense of ownership over bodies that are assigned female, and there is a sense of ownership over non-human animals. I forgot the name of the painting, but it's a really poignant one of a female body with like the lines like over the ass and under like, you know, the breasts and- Oh yeah, I know the, the, I know the image uh, you're talking of, yeah. You know, just like a, um, the ones they have for cows and pigs. I think that is, you know, consciously or not how a lot of people view women in our culture, you know, as like these collection of parts, not like a true individual. Well, yeah, it was objectified. And then animals, of course, are never, are never individuals. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, they're, they're never referred to as, I suppose they're not a person, but sure they are an individual if you really look at it. Like fish don't even get, um, they're not even counted as like a single number as far as kills go. Like they're not one, one fish, two fish, three fish. It's like they're counted by like the pound. 
Right. Yeah, the, uh, the fish is in no way and uh, a single and a time. Yeah, I remember reading, it was something about how the term fish is specious because it does play into that, where it's not, it's implying that fish are like a, a single thing, you know, that's a fish, or what are with those fish is like one thing, instead of like fishes, which is a collection of like individual fish together. It is a lot it, of language like that. It seems a small point, but maybe it maybe it's not. Maybe it is relevant. Yeah. And then fish, of course, becomes a uh, also sometimes used as a slur for for uh, gender slur for women. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah, so that's, uh, yeah, I mean, those are prevalent, you know, the, 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 the sex traffic and uh, it is it is traffic in bodies, all of that. Yeah. I mean, it's the same, it's, it's funny how exactly it can be because it was the same tour guides I was with in the Philippines that were trying to line me up with prostitutes were also trying to line me up with... Um, Restaurants that would serve bat and endangered species and stuff like that. Oh, like an official tour guide? No, they're like unofficial tour guides oh, that float okay. around. They're like well, shady tour guides that float around Manila. Department or something. <laughs> oh, the, the, the Philippines administration. More than you would realize. More than you would realize. Well, the Filipino government owns all their casinos, for example. No, oh, and the cockfighting over there. Oh, where the, where they where they hook the, the the government runs all the cockfighting rings. Oh, terrible. Yeah. Uh, edit out your yawn. Well, that's about a half an hour worth of material there. Uh, yeah. Okay. Say say goodbye. Say goodbye, and then I'll edit it, and then we'll put it up tomorrow. Oh, <laughs> uh, sure. Um, Do you have any last things to add before we take off? Did we get the bit about like the cops not even being intersectionality? <laughs> yeah, you said that. I've got that. Okay. Um. <laughs> Uh, I guess that was a good, like, basic intro. That's all it's supposed to be. If, yeah, if anyone wants to read more about intersectionality, some books I recommend are Afroism. Um, Disability in Animal Liberation, Beasts of Burden. I think those... Beast of Burden goes first. Animal violence, wait. Animal oppression and capitalism, animal oppression and human violence. 
and the politics of total liberation. So there okay. you go. So that's if for further interest and further reading, and I'm sure there are a million podcasts on the subject. Um, yeah. Videos online of Christian Sebastian and, and that crowd doing their thing. Okay. Well, uh, peace out to the world. And uh, thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for choosing vegan. Have a beautiful day.